As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went out through Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our children are dismissed for their time of worship. Over Christmas, our family was given a book of great wisdom and power, and as the children leave, I thought I would read it to you, a portion at least. This is the book with no pictures. This is a book with no pictures. It might seem like no fun to have someone read you a book with no pictures. It probably seems boring and serious, except here is how books work. Everything the words say, the person reading the book has to say, no matter what. That's the deal, that's the rule. So that means even if the words say blork, wait, what? That doesn't even mean anything. Blurf, wait a second, what? This isn't the kind of book I wanted to read. And I have to say every word the book says? Uh Uh-oh. I am a monkey who taught myself to read. (laughs) Hey, I am not a monkey. And now I am reading you this book with my monkey mouth and my monkey voice. That is not true. I am not a monkey. Yes, I am a monkey. (laughs) Also, I am a robot monkey. What? When we first read this book over Christmas... My oldest looked back at me with the bewildered look of the one who just realized he has a lot of power at his disposal. If he handed me a book, I had to read him the words. Words that someone else had written and now I had to say. And suddenly in his four-year-old brain, he began to realize words have power. Words have weight. Words can make me laugh and words can make mommy say silly things. So he ran around to the house, to my, gran- my grandparents' house, to take it to my most serious uncle and have him read it before the whole family. It was amazing. 
How many times have we seen it here at the pulpit in the sanctuary? A person comes up here and opens the book with no pictures and reads alarming words. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, and yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. These are the words of the Lord. Sometimes it's like a question. These are the words of the Lord? And we, the crowd, wonder, where exactly are the terms and conditions we can review before we reply with, thanks be to God? In these lives we face and in the faith journey we run, what are our terms and conditions that may apply? When life begins, when Truman was born, there's no meeting with the administrator of life who will explain to us the benefits and risks of living this human existence. There's no moment when we can opt in or opt out of being limited by time and space and possibility. It just happens. When we are born, we are given terms and conditions on this human life. And yet, perhaps the greatest cruelty of all is that we spend all our life wrestling with our lack of power over them. I work with teenagers who are developing the capacity for abstract thought, which brings with it the ability to imagine every possibility and construct ideals. The ideal friend, the ideal parent, the ideal life, the ideal youth minister or church. And it generates youthful optimism, which we love and we encourage, but it inevitably always leads to the same place, this crisis. I can imagine eternity, but I cannot grasp it. I can imagine greatness, but I cannot always achieve it. I can envision peace and justice in our world, but it is not so. I can identify the problems. I can create solutions. I can tell everyone the right answer. And yet people will not listen to me. And life continues in the mess that it is. Reading Isaiah 40 from the pulpit reads a bit like the book with no pictures, but grudgingly reading the book with no exceptions. We are human. We are limited. We are temporary. Our strength comes with limitations and requirements. Our understanding has boundaries. The world existed before us, and it will continue to exist after we are gone. These are our human terms and conditions. We spend our days fighting it for more time, for more strength, for more understanding. We search for loopholes and ways around it, either to fool others or ourselves, into believing that we are the ones for whom the terms and conditions do not actually apply. And yet, have we not known? Have we not heard? These are the terms and conditions of our humanity, and they do always apply. As we read in Mark, I wonder, what is more unbelievable about this story? That Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law by simply lifting her hand and she stood? Or, for our modern ears, what if the most unrelatable and unbelievable part of this is that the whole city came to him in search? That the sick trusted enough in the rumor of him that they flocked and gathered at his door? 
that we might believe that there is a power outside of ourselves that has nothing to do with us that might actually liberate us. In this day and age, we are only willing to throw ourselves into that which we have researched thoroughly and trained for and read references and verified online. In a world where we constantly search for things, what's wrong with my child, what should I make for dinner, what's going on outside, we spend our days gathering data and resources and experts and plotting our own salvation our own way to survive this human experience. We custom order our community to nurture us and keep us safe. We tweak our identity to appear superhuman. We navigate our healthcare to avoid pain. And we even pick and choose our congregational involvement to highlight our gifts and just sort of avoid the rest. In so doing, we seek our way around the terms and conditions. We master this existence and attempt to control everything, making knowledge and even scripture obedient to us. But the terms and conditions do apply. All the knowledge, every expert and authority in the world cannot save you from reading the book. We are human. We are limited. We are temporary. Our strength comes with limitations and requirements. Our understanding has boundaries. The world existed before us, and it will exist after us. The irony of all ironies might be that our attempts to be God and to be an exception to the terms and conditions always leads to the exact same spot, to the raw and vulnerable place where we have to face them. When all else fails, we return to our faith. And we gather at the door of Jesus and simply hope and pray that he is who we say he is. The one who through his own time in a human body redeems this limited existence. When the newborn, wrapped tightly and fresh as it gets, looks into the eyes of its new parents, the parents decide immediately they will do anything for that life. When the hands are joined and a couple turns and faces the congregation gathered, they commit to live as a pair for richer or poor in sickness and health, that they will endure anything for that covenant. When the family gathers at a bedside of the beloved and they prepare to say their goodbyes, they promise to themselves they will do anything to honor that legacy. In those moments when life comes into focus, All we know is the beat of our heart and the lump in our throat and the love expanding so much that it hurts. And we say, no matter the terms and conditions, we will give our whole heart, our whole life for love that is boundless before us. For those healed by Jesus, the ones who have been searching for the real truth, they find that the terms and conditions can never save us but only the one who exists beyond them can. With a lump in our throat, we read the words of Isaiah 40 as the book of truth. You are God. You are infinite. You are boundless. Your strength is beyond compare. Your understanding baffles me. You were, you are, you always will be. The beauty and wonder comes in the contrast. 
like rough, mighty hands, worn and torn from work, that come down and gently nurture a fragile sprout in loose soil. Like a giant creature that picks up the smallest one and nestles it gently and protectively in its bosom. Like a still, small voice that speaks a word that knocks down the beast that is our sense of inadequacy. Understanding God's greatness and our always less than fragility is what fear of the Lord is that we read about. Not fear as in fright, but fear as in awe and wonder at something we can barely comprehend. We are human, limited and temporary, but we are yours. You are boundless, strong and merciful, and in your strength and for your glory, we are too. With this good news, though, I have to remind you, terms and conditions may apply. Not because God has terms and conditions, but because following God does not magically remove our own. In the passage from 1 Corinthians, we see Paul navigating his way through the terms and conditions of this life as a Christ follower. He's a bit defensive and intense, but his call is to remind them that a life of sacrifice is not extra credit for a super disciple. It's an obligation for all of us. It's a matter of training and running the race before us. In one word, it's about obedience. In our culture of independence and suspicion of authority, obedience is a dirty word. It brings to mind angry parents who do not offer affection with the child, but instead demand some robotic following of rules set at the whim of those who are stressed about life's messes. So I must be clear, obedience that Paul is talking about and God desires is not this submissive conformity to an oppressive system. For our God is the one who, though huge in scope and magnificent in glory, comes to the lowest on the human social hierarchy chain and is born in the human flesh. God is the one who, as the psalmist writes, heals the brokenhearted and binds wounds and lifts up the downtrodden. The image of perfect obedience to God is found in the life and death of Jesus using the weakness of this human body to host a love so powerful and strong that it changes the course of human history. God, the infinite, the limitless, the eternal, enters into human flesh, the finite, the limited, the temporary. The divine, with no terms and conditions, saves the world through our very own human terms and conditions. Obedience is giving up the fight and waving the white flag of surrendering our desire to be God. Obedience is living as if our awareness of our terms and conditions and our relinquishing of our fight against them might just save us. Save us from the effort to save the world and ourselves when there's already a force bigger and more effective than you or I could ever generate. Running the race of faith is not about perfection. We must be careful to remember that shared power and strength from God can lead to mistaking success as our own to claim. 
Shared work can lead to misunderstood division of labor. Shared burdens can lead to weighted shoulders that forget that we are not actually the savior of the world. Holding God is God and I am not on both sides of us. We live in between, running and not weary, walking and not fainting, and yet recognizing that even Jesus was exhausted from loving people and needed to rest. Embracing our human terms and conditions and salvation from the limitless God changes the way we approach our lives. It changes our postures and it shifts our expectations. And we have to remind ourselves We are friends who cannot offer perfection and friendship and partners who will let down our beloveds. We will be hurt by those close to us because they too have terms and conditions. We are parents with terms and conditions with children raising them who have terms and conditions. We are employees who can never get everything done and employers who delegate work to people who cannot get everything done. True obedience says courageously, no matter the terms and conditions, our lives are God's and not ours. As one who perhaps foolishly signed up for the Derby Mini Marathon in April, I've begun the work of plotting my long runs and getting ready for the big race. There are thousands others around the city and perhaps some in the sanctuary who are heading to the gym and we're increasing our mileage and working on our time and building endurance for the big race. I can tell you the exact time of the race, the street by street map of the course, where the water break locations are and where I will probably be tired. Training for a race means that every run I take in advance counts and every workout matters. I don't run just for my own well-being or to beat others, but simply just to push the limits of my own terms and conditions and see how far and fast these legs will carry me. In the same way, as we live in obedience to God, we are called to train for the big race. We do not run alone. We are surrounded here at Highland and beyond by those who have signed their names and committed that we're in this together, no matter what. Our prize is not a a medal handed at the end or a high five at the finish line. Our prize comes in the form of hope and peace and joy and love that redeem the very living of our days and heal the brokenhearted that surround us in some way. We who are runners in faith, we don't have a set time, a course map, or predictable times for rest. There is no clear start line, and there is no clear finish line. In each day, we do not know if we are still training or if we have begun the big race. But we, so we do not run aimlessly, and we do not live in vain. We recognize that this limited life of ours is most powerful in the hands of a limitless God. We are human, limited and temporary, but we are yours. You are boundless, strong, and merciful, and in your strength and for your glory, we are too. Should today be the day that you want to enter into this life as a Christ follower or to join this community as we seek to combine and unite with a limitless God, It's our tradition that you come forward while we sing our final hymn to share that decision. 
Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish far more than all we could ask or even imagine, to God may we give our worship and our praise and our very lives. Amen.